Welcome to week two of the John the Baptist series. My name's Chris Bell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Three Circle Church. I'm really glad that you are joining us today from wherever you are right now. Now, we are talking about one of the most amazing, one of the most interesting, some would say one of the most unique and strange individuals even in the entire Bible, John the Baptist. In week one, we discovered that John the Baptist, before he started preaching the sermons that maybe we're familiar with, he actually preached his first sermon from his mother's womb. Before he could even speak words, his life was teaching us about the sanctity and the dignity of human life. Well, today we're going to continue looking at his life and what he was all about. All of the gospel writers, when they write about John the Baptist, they tie his life to Old Testament prophecy, in particular the one in Isaiah that speaks very clearly about not only who John the Baptist would be, but about what John the Baptist would do, what his job would be. Let's take a look at that right now. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 3 through 5 says this, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now in these important verses, what we see is that all the gospel writers believe that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy by the great Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years before John would be born, uh, there was a purpose and a plan for his life. And what we'll say today is, is what is clear from this verse and what John would end up doing is that he was going to be the road builder for Jesus, if you will. He was the one that would go before Jesus and build the road upon which Jesus would walk into world history, walk into the hearts and lives of people. John the Baptist would build that road. What an unbelievable job he was given. But what I want you to see today is that we actually all have a very similar job to do if we're believers in Christ. Our lives become highways for Jesus. Our lives, the way we live, become roads for Jesus. Not only for Jesus to come into our own lives and how he works and how we experience God, but for those around us to see as well. Notice at the end of this verse, it tells us that John's going to build a highway for Jesus. He's going to be the one to clear that road. And it says, because of him, verse 5, all the glory of the Lord's going to be revealed and all flesh will see it together. In other words, many, many people were going to experience Jesus. You and I, if we know Jesus, we experience him much because of John the Baptist paving the way. So what I want you to understand today is that you and I have a choice to make in our own lives. Are we going to be road builders for Jesus the way John the Baptist was? Now in Jesus and John's day, what would happen when a king or a dignitary would go to a town, what they would do is they would send someone ahead of them. Because uh, much like the road I'm on here, uh, there, were, there were paths and roads in their day as well in the ancient world. But unlike the road I'm on now, this is a beautiful path in these beautiful woods that I'm in. You can tell it's been well taken care of. The, the, the roads in Jesus and John's day often were nowhere near this nice and this dependable. So when a dignitary or a king would go somewhere, he would send his forerunner, his, his road builder, if you will, ahead of him to smooth out the path, to make sure that it would be safe, that it would be fast, that it would be smooth for him to go to the next town, the next city. Well, that is the imagery that is used here for John the Baptist. That's what John was going to do for Jesus. And by the way, in our own lives, we are called to do the same thing. So as we examine John's life today, we're going to find out that there's some similarities. He had a unique calling. 
He alone is the one who would build the initial road for Jesus to step into biblical and world history. But you and I have that same job every day. We are to build roads for Jesus. So today, join me as we take a look at how we can become road builders for Jesus. You know, when you think about roads, sometimes we take them for granted, right? We walk on them, we drive on them. But roads are really hard to build. They're really hard to maintain. And what we're going to find is they're a part of our lives every day. Think about how hard it is when you don't have a road or when the road that you're on is not quality, that it's rough, it's crooked, or it's hard to follow. Uh, recently here in our area where we film and where our church campuses are, we were hit by several hurricanes this past year. And when that happened, roads were covered with trash and debris and trees. And, and you find out real fast just how important roads are. You know, roads historically have been important. That's why John the Baptist had the job and why that imagery worked so well because the, even in the ancient world, they knew how important it was for an important person to have someone go ahead of them to get the roads ready. Here in the United States, the history of roads are very important. You can go back to the Revolutionary War days and how important it was to have clear roads. Uh, and then we've gotten better and better at it. Famously, President Dwight Eisenhower decided uh, that he, and, and he, by the way, uniquely would have known how important roads were because he was a great general in World War II. He comes back, becomes the president, and he, along with a team of people, decide we're going to do interstate highways across the country. Well, the Bible says John was preparing a highway for Jesus. Well, when you jump on I-10 or I-85 or I-185 in Atlanta, you're looking at an interstate system that was thought up years and years and years ago, and it makes life really easy for us when it comes to traveling. Here in our own viewing area, we're in the Mobile, Alabama, and the Baldwin County area. Roads are very important. For a long time, you get, couldn't get across Mobile Bay. You had, to, you had to take a ferry across at the most narrow parts. And then they decided to build a bridge called the Causeway. And then I-10 came along in Dwight Eisenhower's day, and they built another bridge across Mobile Bay, put a tunnel in underneath the river, going from downtown Mobile up over the bay. All of these things created a travel situation where we can get to where we need to go. And those roads are very, very important, but they didn't just get there on their own. It took a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of engineering to build a great road. And what we're gonna find is that as we build roads for Jesus, as we live lives that create a highway for him to come into our own lives and have, have free reign in our own lives and so that the world around us can look at us and observe our lives and, and then be able to walk across, if you will, the pathway of our lives to, to Jesus. As we do that, we're gonna find that we're gonna to have to 
put in some effort too. It's going to take great planning. It's going to take great engineering, if you will, spiritually in our own lives. So to take a look at what it takes to build a road, we thought, you know what? We need to talk to an expert. And guess what? At Three Circle Church, we have an expert. His name is Joey Nunley. He's a good friend of mine. And here where we are in Baldwin County, Joey is a bit of a legend, all right? He is a road builder. He is, uh, from an engineering standpoint, he knows how this works. He oversees lots of the projects in our area. So right now we're going to go talk to Joey, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how to actually build a highway, how to build a road. I think it's going to be fascinating, and I think it's going to help us understand what the Scriptures are teaching us through John the Baptist today. Let's go talk to Joey right now. Hey, Three Circle Church, we are talking about John the Baptist and how he built a highway for Jesus, uh, for himself, for so that he could experience Jesus, and for all of those around him. And, and that's true for us as well. And to find out what it takes to build a road, to really build a highway, we've got an expert with us. This is my friend and Three Circle guy, Joey Nunley. Joey, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us today to help us understand there's a lot more that goes into building a road than maybe meets the eye. So first of all, Joey, tell us what you do here in Baldwin County. Well, currently I'm the county engineer for Baldwin County, okay. so which, which means I'm in charge of maintaining, constructing, building all the roads and bridges that our right. county maintains. Okay, awesome. So you know what you're talking about. And we're standing right here in front of Three Circle Fairhope Campus. And right here, this area is really growing. And we said that whenever you're building roads, it normally means the place is growing, right? That's correct. So we got a lot of road work going on. We have 181 being expanded right here behind us just tons of road work. So when you as a county engineer, when you get ready to build a road, I'm sure there's a lot to it. What are some of the steps that you go through when you build a road that we all use every day? So I guess to start off with, there has to be uh, a need. Okay. So, so a lot of times that need arises out of a lot of different situations. It could be a, a safety need from an accident situation or like we're experiencing here, like you right. touched on earlier, was the uh, the residential and, and industrial growth that this yeah. county is seeing and right. it creates a lot of more traffic. So some traffic patterns may change, which creates a, a particular intersection that needs improving. Right. So a lot of a lot of the needs come mm -hmm. off of those types of things. Gotcha. And when those needs happen, the uh, the the funding and planning stages kind of start beginning. And when so those... you don't just walk out one day and go, let's build a road. <laughs> no, no, you got to plan this thing. Long term right. planning, I say. Long term. Okay. Yes. I mean, obviously, when you build something like this, it's going to be there forever. Right. You know, it's and, and that's actually one of the things I love about my job is because when I do do something like that, I mean, it, you get right. to walk away and know that it's going to be there forever. Yeah. And, and it gonna... affects people's lives. It does. Every single day. Hopefully in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Right, right. Okay, so the first thing you do is, do we have a need? Do we need this road or not? You don't want to build right. it for no reason. That's right. What's the second step that you guys normally take? So the second step is, you know, we start going through the funding and planning stages. And, okay. and obviously we can't just, you know, we, there's there's not unlimited amount of funds. Yeah. Now, uh, Joey, are roads expensive? Uh, very. Yeah. Very expensive roads. <laughs> yes, and uh, they get more expensive every day. Okay. So, um, so the funding and planning stages go, th uh, are, you know, talking about where we get the funds from, right. you know, exactly what kind of uh, conceptual idea are we looking here, right. uh, how is this going to be publicly received, um, you know, environmentally, or what kind of impacts are we going to have, okay. you know, those types of things are talked about on a broad basis. Wow. Okay, so do we have a need? And then we got to figure out how to pay for this thing. It's expensive. And then the next thing, now that you have the money, you know you need the road, what are you going to do now? 
we start the design phase. Design. So, okay. so that's when a lot of the engineers start putting a you know pen to paper. Okay. And uh, we start looking at stormwater. So are all roads not the same? I mean, it seems to me like throw some asphalt on the ground. It's a little more complex than that. It's a little more complex. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what what are some differences? Like, how is one road going to be different than another? So you know, um, depending on the type of traffic that it's going to carry, okay, uh, you got the width that you you know the, the width of the asphalt, right? The buildup of the asphalt, all that's got to be engineered and calculated. Wow. The more truck volumes that it's going to see, the wider it's got to be. The, so interesting. The more buildup you're going yep. to have to have, which obviously is going to increase the cost. Yeah, yeah. Um, the more volume of traffic you see, the the, the, mm -hmm. the better your intersections have to be. The, the your connections that uh, wow. you know. Um, have to be have to work a lot more efficiently. Okay. So you know, does it, do you need signals? Do you need a roundabout? Yeah, yeah. You all know, that. those those types of things. So a lot of a lot of thought goes behind how this the road is actually going to be designed. Oh yeah. And it's pretty clear from Scripture that when John the Baptist was building his highway for Jesus, there were some specifics. It says he's going to bring the mountains low, he's going to bring the valleys high, and I think that probably gets into our next step. Once you've designed it, paid for it and find out you have a need, you're gonna start building, right? That's correct. And you don't start laying asphalt and rock first, right? I'm assuming you get the ground ready, you prepare that ground, and uh, how does that work, Joey? So we we refer to it as balancing dirt. Balancing dirt. <laughs> so we take the dirt off the high, the hills and, and put it in the valleys. Like it literally sounds like you're reading the Old Testament right now. <laughs> when it prophesies about John the Baptist. I mean, yeah. literally, it's like he was building a road for real. It says he'll bring the mountains down and bring the valley. It says he'll straighten out crooked places. That's right. It sounds like what you guys do. That's right. We do it every day. Wow. What did you call it again? You called it? Balancing dirt. Balancing dirt. What a spiritual principle for us today. So what does balancing dirt look like? What's the end goal? Are you trying to get the straightest, most level road you possibly can in any environment? Is that the goal? Well, uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, if you build everything straight and level with no curves, the price is going to get pretty expensive. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, the balancing of dirt also has to be balancing with the funding. Makes sense. So. Okay, so you're thinking about the purpose of this road, and there's probably no such thing as a perfect highway, is there, in a perfect road? Well, I would like to say yes, but no. <laughs> Other than the ones you built, Joey, of course, right? Right. Okay, so so that is a truism, right? That that what what the Bible spoke of of John the Baptist. You you, you knock down some hills, you fill in some holes, right, to get that road to where it needs to be. Absolutely. Okay, the final piece that's interesting to me is once the, the road's built, you guys can't just leave it there. You gotta maintain it and take care of it, right? It's the most important thing. Okay, that's the most important thing. Exactly. So what does that look like? So, I mean, obviously we, we you know, we have to resurface it every now and then. We gotta, okay. we gotta clean the drainage pipes out. Right. We gotta patch, patch a few potholes. We gotta mow the grass on the side so it doesn't grow up. And, yeah. you know, we gotta uh, get the water to get off the road because if you got water on the road, you're gonna have accidents. It's a mess. It's a mess. You're gonna hurt people. Okay. So, so you know, there's three rules when it comes to building a road. Three rules. Three okay. rules. The three main rules are drainage. Okay. Drainage. Okay. And drainage. <laughs> Especially here where it rains so yes. much, right? So we got we got interesting. So drainage is huge. So that's a huge spiritual concept. In closing, Joey. So obviously, you not only do you build roads physically here in Baldwin County that we all get to enjoy. You're a Christian, you're a Christ follower. And, and I know you, I know your heart is that your work would represent Jesus. You want people to know Christ by looking at your life. So you're like John the Baptist, you're, and, and myself, we're all building roads for Jesus in a sense. 
how do, how do we maintain it instead? You know, how do we make sure that we're keeping an eye on the roads of our own spirituality? And, and how do you do that, Joey? Well, you know, obviously um, the roads need to be looked at every day. Okay. So just like you need to go to your Bible every day. Wow, that's good. Spend time with the Lord every day. Yep. You know, pray. So same way, maintaining the road. Got to keep your eyes you, on it. You got to keep your eyes okay. on it. You got to spend a little time with it. You yep. got to spend a little money on it. So, you know, you, wow. it's resource it. That's Take right. it seriously, right? That's right. Man, fascinating. Joy, number one, thank you for building roads that our families get to enjoy. But also thank you for your witness that you really want to represent Christ. I think you're really helping us today understand what John the Baptist was all about when he was building a highway for Jesus. And so, so hopefully we can do the same. Thanks a lot for being right, with us. Glad I could help. Appreciate you, Joey. So what a fascinating conversation we just had with Joey Nunnally. It takes a lot to build a road and roads are so very important. Well, what we see is that John the Baptist, his main job was to build the road for Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. And the scripture we just read in Isaiah not only tells us what John was going to do, it tells us how he was going to do it. Remember what it says. It says, John the Baptist is going to prepare the way for the Lord. He's going to make a desert and here, he's going to make a highway in the desert. And here's how he's going to do it. Listen to verse four. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground will become level and the rough places will become like a plain. Now that is road work if I've ever heard it. That is a literal description and it's very similar to what Joey just taught us about how to build a road. And what we find is these are spiritual concepts that have been derived from physical concepts when it comes to building a road. So today we're gonna to look at this and see how does God want us to do the same thing? How are you and I in our lives going to level out the mountains and the hills? How are we gonna smooth out the rough places and crooked places in our lives? How are we going to lift up the valleys in our own lives so that we can experience God and so that the world around us can see Jesus in us? How are we going to build our own highway for Jesus? Let's take a look at that right now. So as we take a look at the way John the Baptist built his highway for Jesus and how we need to do the same, the first thing we see is that every valley will be lifted up. That's the first thing that, that, that John was going to accomplish, that every valley was going to be lifted up. Now, we all know that valleys are where it goes down low. We heard Joey talk about the fact that you want to get roads as level as you can. And when you build a road, you're going to find places, not, not only mountains that are too high, you're going to find places that are simply too low. And you have to bring those up. And if you're building a road, you're going to bring in other materials like dirt and rocks to get the road up to where it needs to be. That's exactly what in ancient times the forerunners would do when they would go ahead of a dignitary or a king. They'd find holes in the road or dips in the road that would simply not be safe, too hard to traverse. So they would lift those valleys, those holes, those low spots up in the road. Well, spiritually, we are to do the same. And let me tell you what those valleys look like in our lives. One of the low spots in, in, in our lives that we need to bring up the way John the Baptist did is the idea of shame and guilt. In a person's life, there's very few things that can become a pothole quicker and more dangerously than that of shame and guilt. The Bible is clear that when we come to Jesus, when we have Christ in our lives, shame and guilt gets taken away. And that's a really good thing. Listen to this beautiful scripture in Romans 8, 1 through 2. It says, there is therefore now. What does that mean now? It means now that you're in Christ. Once you come to Jesus, look what it says. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
See, there's too many of us here today. We can't show the world who Jesus is because we are literally loathing and rolling around in these deep valleys and deep holes of shame and guilt in our own lives. John the Baptist was coming and he was going to be one of the first prophetic voices in like 400 years. And there were a lot of people who under the heavy weight of Pharisee-driven religion had become people who just thought they could never measure up. They just thought God could never love them. They, they felt lots of shame. They felt lots of guilt because the Pharisees placed that on them. Jesus himself would say to the Pharisees that they put a weight on his people that God never intended for them to bear. So this is great news that the Bible gives us that no matter where you've been or what you've done, you don't have to continue living in the valley of shame and guilt in your life. John the Baptist came with a message. His message was repent of your sin, but be lifted up, be forgiven of your sin, follow Jesus. That was his message. He was paving the way, not for religion, not for shame and guilt-driven lives and relationships with God, but instead a freedom in Christ that only he could bring which is why John will go on to say, look, I'm gonna baptize you with water, but there's one coming who's gonna baptize you with fire. And part of that baptism of the Holy Spirit through Jesus in our lives is that we are forgiven and we are set free from shame and guilt. The Bible says here there's no condemnation. Now what there is when we walk with Jesus is there is going to be conviction in our lives. Conviction is not meant to shame us though. The Holy Spirit, when you come to Jesus, will convict you of your sin so that you'll take it seriously, so that you'll repent of it, turn away from it, and continue to follow Jesus. But conviction is not the same as condemnation. Your condemnation was dealt with on the cross. Jesus himself was condemned for you. Jesus himself took the sin and death and the penalty for your sin on himself. You don't have to live in that anymore. So when John the Baptist came to build a road, a highway for Jesus, one of the things he did is he lifted up those valleys. He was saying to the people, religion is a valley you'll fall in. Religion is a deep pit that you can never get out of. You'll never be able to jump high enough to get out of it. But John was paving the way for the one who would come with the gospel, who would change our lives. So let me say to you right now, if you're here and, and listening right now and you're, you're a Christian and you find that you don't have a huge impact on people around you, it may be that you too often live in shame and guilt and condemnation that God does not intend you to walk in anymore. When the world around you sees your freedom in Christ, when the world around you sees that you're not weighted down with religion and condemnation, but you have this joy because you understand the depths of gospel forgiveness in your life, you will become so very attractive spiritually to people around you when they see what God has done for you. Lift up. Let, let, let's fill in the valleys and the potholes in our lives. Listen, here's another beautiful verse about this. This beautiful verse is from Psalm 42. It says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. That's road work verses again. Instead of muddy bogs of condemnation and shame, he says, God lifted me up out of that and put me on a solid ground that I could walk on. That's exactly what John the Baptist came to do, to pave the way for Jesus. You and I need to do the same thing. Not only is there shame and guilt, though, there's often also these holes and valleys in our own lives, in the highway of our own lives, uh, that would be our immaturities, things that we don't have in our life yet that God wants to put in. Like Joey said earlier, when you're building a road, you may have depressions in the road. You may have these huge holes, these valleys, if you will, that they have to bring outside materials in to get that road up to the level it needs to be. 
That's true for us spiritually. In our own lives, you and I, we always have more that God needs to do in our lives. We're not perfect. We're in process. So what we see is God is more than willing to work with us to fill in those holes. Listen to this verse from James 1, uh, 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joys, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, watch this, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now what that means is God is the one who will build the highway in your life. The spiritual road by which you experience Jesus and others around you can experience Jesus in your life as well. But that can't happen with these massive potholes in your life of immaturity, things that you need to grow in. So what I would say today is don't get stalemated when it comes to your relationship with God. Don't build the road halfway and then go, well, that's good enough. I don't need to keep going. No, no, no. Constantly allow by the power of the Holy Spirit the potholes in your life spiritually to be filled. I don't know how you are. I've been walking with Jesus since I was 12 years old. I'm 43 now. And over the years, the Holy Spirit continues to show me potholes in the highway of my own spiritual life that I didn't see. Pride, uh, shame, guilt, uh, arrogance at times, uh, uh, anger issues. I'm just telling you my own trail and being vulnerable. Over the years, I've had these things creep up into my life and they become potholes that stop me from experiencing God fully and certainly affect my ability to show Jesus to the world around me, okay? And what God does is he works with me. He allows me to go through some stuff so that he can bring outside materials into those holes in my life to get the road of my life where it needs to be. It is a messy process, by the way, but it is a process. Road building, as Joey told you, takes time. Around our church campuses right now, there's a lot of road work going on, and sometimes it can take years to get that road to where it's smooth and you can actually ride on it. That is a beautiful process. But you need to understand that the first thing John the Baptist did and you and I need to allow God to do in our lives is he brought the valleys up. He filled in the potholes. He filled in the valleys so that it became even. That same process can happen in your life and in mine. So the next thing we see here is that when John the Baptist built his road, the Bible says that he would first start by bringing the valleys up, right? But the next thing he did is he brought the mountains and the hills low. That means there's things in your life and mine that have to be raised up, but there's also some things that are going to have to be torn down. Whenever you build a road, you're going to come into places that you're going to have to tear it down. Uh, I've, I've been to places where the ground is really rocky, and you can tell that out west in the Rocky Mountains and places like that, they literally had to use explosives to tear down hills and mountains so that they could make a traversable, a drivable road where there wasn't a road before. You and I are going to have some mountains in our lives. We have valleys and potholes that need to be filled in, but we're going to have some hills and mountains that are going to have to be torn down and brought low so that we can be the highway for Jesus that we were created to be. John the Baptist did this, man. He he, he not only exalted those who were lowly, he tore some mountains down. And one of the big ones he went at that you and I are going to have to go at in our own lives is the mountain and hill of pride and arrogance. For you and I to be a highway for Jesus, for the world to see Jesus in us, and for us to experience Jesus in our own lives, pride and arrogance is a mountain and a hill that's got to go. It's got to be brought down for the road to be smooth. Listen to Matthew 23, 12. It says this, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now that's exactly the road work that John the Baptist did. He brought the valleys up, he brought the mountains down. And here's what I know about my life. I bet it's true for you as well. There are times that I can deal with pride in my own life. 
and those mountains get in the way of me experiencing God fully and for me to be able to be a witness for Jesus for those around me. Proverbs goes on to tell us that pride is not just an obstacle, it's also a trap that is dangerous. Listen to Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Listen, there, there is nothing like driving down a road that, that is not marked well and finding a, a hill on that road, a quick bump. Uh, my wife and I were, were going really fast down a road and there was no marking. And I hit this bump in the road that I'm telling you, I thought it, I thought it had torn the tires out from under my car. I mean, I, I could not believe we didn't crash and wreck. We hit it so hard. There was no marking anywhere. That's how pride works in our lives. You'll be going along smoothly and out of nowhere, it just gets bumpy and you think it's tearing everything apart because pride is sneaky. We don't like to admit that we're prideful. We can call it a million other things and justify it in so many different ways. But pride, the Bible says, is dangerous. Let me just say this. Tearing down the mountains of pride on the highway of your life for Jesus is not just important. It is a survival mode, man. It is deadly. That's what Proverbs says. Pride will lead you down roads that will literally tear your life apart, just like a huge boulder, a huge high place in a road that's not marked can tear your car up. It's the same exact thing. John the Baptist came and he brought, and listen, he spoke truth to the Pharisees. He spoke truth to King Herod at the time. It ended up getting him executed. We'll look at that in a few weeks, but he was not afraid to tear down the mountains of pride and arrogance that were keeping people from Jesus. It's so very important for us to understand. Let me tell you something else that kills pride. One of the great tools that you and I have that will help level those mountains of pride in our lives so that the road of our spirituality can become more smooth. One of them is just prayer. Prayer is a pride killer because every time I pray, I am admitting I need God. Every time I stop and get on my knees and spend time praying, I am saying to the Lord, I need you. When I don't pray about my marriage, I'm saying, I don't need your help. When I don't pray about parenting, I'm saying, I don't need your help. I've got this. When I don't pray about my finances and my life, I'm saying to God, I got this. Very prideful. But when I, listen, when I get on my knees and I pray, it's like taking the, it's like taking the ax, it's taking the shovel, it's taking the bulldozer to the mountains and the hills of my life and your life. When you pray, you are literally tearing down those mountains and smoothing out that road. Let me tell you something else that kills pride an understanding of the gospel. It is impossible for a Christian to focus on the implications of the gospel and not be humbled. The Bible is clear that you and I were so bad, so bad off in our own sin that we needed someone to come die for us. And then the beauty of the gospel is someone did come and die for us. You and I have nothing to be proud of. That's why we all boast, like the apostle said, in Jesus. He's the only thing we have to boast in because we did not save ourselves. We did not earn our salvation. We have no reason to be proud at all. So the gospel and understanding just what Jesus did for us, the depths of our forgiveness, the depths that God went through to save us is a naturally humbling thing. So another tool that we have to tear down the mountains of pride in our lives, smooth out that highway for Jesus, is when we focus on the gospel and the implications and the truth of the gospel. Now, there's something else that creates these bumps, these mountains on the highway of our spirituality that keeps the world from seeing Jesus, keeps us from experiencing him as well. And it's spiritual arrogance. 
So as we talk about spiritual pride, the Bible warns against it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2. It says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, the Apostle Paul says, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, look at this, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Now what Paul is saying there is when we get these spiritual mountains in our lives, they need to be torn down because we are not to be prideful about how much we know. And Paul said, look, if you become prideful, if you think you know more than everybody else, then you don't understand that whatever you know is a gift from God. We have no reason to be spiritually prideful, but spiritual pride can block you from having a smooth road when it comes to experiencing Jesus and for others to experience Jesus around you. John the Baptist came to level that stuff out. He was going at the Pharisees for their spiritual pride. He was going at the, the Jewish people for their spiritual pride because those mountains had to be torn down for them to be ready to receive Jesus. And many of them did not receive Jesus. You wanna know why? Because they were unwilling to allow the mountains of their pride to be torn down. Now here's another one, not just spiritual knowledge, but talent, talent that God's given you. If you're a talented person and you have gifts, this, this can become a mountain of pride. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us this, uh, for, he says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Listen, if you're a part of the church, there's all kinds of people that have all kinds of different gifts and it can become a point of pride. But the Bible's clear here, whatever you have, whatever talent you have, you didn't come up with that on your own. You may have sharpened it, you may have worked to make it better, but you didn't come up with the raw materials. God gave that to you and that should create a smooth atmosphere in our churches, a smooth road for us to walk on where we tear down those mountains of pride when we are reminded that whatever we have, it came from God. Here's another one that often becomes a thing in the church, spiritual uh, pride. And it's this, when we become prideful that we are tolerating of, of sin. Did you know that became a problem in the church? They, the early church in Corinthians in particular, they became prideful that they weren't handling sin seriously. Listen, listen to what it says. Uh, Paul told them in 1 Corinthians 5, 2, you are arrogant. Uh, shouldn't you rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. What this is talking about is there was a person in that church of Corinth who had done some very heinous, sinful things. And instead of the church handling it the way they should, they bragged about the fact that they were tolerant of him that they didn't handle sin. They bragged about the fact that they were a place where someone could come and be that way and never be confronted. And Paul told them that was a form of spiritual pride. Tolerance is one of the lowest, lowest forms of human emotion there is. Instead, we're to love each other and be willing to call out sin and pride in one another's lives to smooth out the highway for Jesus. And then finally, spiritual pride can happen in a church when we become tribal. When we become tribal, when we have our theological tribe, or when we have our worship style tribe, or this is the way we do things, and this is the way they do, denominational tribes, all of those things can become a point of mountainous and hilly pride that makes the, the, the road for Jesus not smooth at all. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1.11. It says, For it has been reported to me by people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, Well, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Paul's telling them that they needed to break down these mountains of tribal pride. He's telling them, stop bragging about who you follow. We all follow Jesus, and there's no reason to be prideful about those things. There's no reason to watch out for these different forms of spiritual pride. 
John the Baptist came to tear that stuff down. You and I have to continually tear it down in our lives to maintain, like we learned today, the road. Roads aren't just to be built, they're to be maintained. And to do that, you gotta make sure that there's not suddenly these bumps, these boulders, these rocks, these hills that begin to form on the highways that God wants us to have. The next thing we see that the Bible says John did when he built the road for Jesus is that he made the uneven places level. Another translation would say that he made the crooked places straight. Now what we're talking about here in our own lives is one of the things that can get in the way of us being the highway for Jesus where we experience him in our own lives and other people can see him as well. The road work we need to do is straightening out the road when it takes these turns that are just not traversable. And, and what causes this is sin in our lives. This is where we start dealing with actual sin in our lives. The sin in our lives that can make the road simply impassable it's not that they're just low, too low in places, not that they're just too high, but we're talking about when sin is allowed to abound in our lives, it becomes a road that you just can't drive on anymore. So the Bible says that John the Baptist came to make those uneven places that can tear your car apart, that can make it to where you simply can't get down the road. He came to smooth that stuff out to make it even again, or in other words, take crooked places and make them straight. This is when we deal with sin in our lives. And the truth is, if we don't deal with sin, it will totally mess the road, the highway up that we're supposed to be building for Jesus. Listen to what uh, R.C. Sproul, great preacher and theologian, said about sin. He said, the Bible takes sin seriously because the Bible takes God seriously and the Bible takes human beings seriously. When we sin against God, we do violence to his holiness. When we sin against our neighbor, we violate his or her humanity. It's a great way to look at it. Sin is something that we can't just play around with. We have to take sin seriously. Listen to what great theologian John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Great way to say it, right? Succinct, powerful, and true. Too many of us play around with sin. Uh, listen, we're like a cat laying on the floor, rolling around a ball of yarn. We just think, hey, everything's fine. It's, it's okay. Nothing's gonna happen to us. The problem is though, sin is not a ball of yarn. Sin is like lying on the floor and rolling around with a rattlesnake, okay? It, it's gonna bite you. And when it does, it's gonna kill you. Sin is serious business and the Bible is deadly serious about it. Listen to 1 John 2, 15 to 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's how serious this is. There's choices that have to be made for you and I to follow Jesus, for you and I to really have a highway for Jesus in our lives. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, we need to remember today that John the Baptist came and he dealt with sin. We're going to find in the next few weeks that he preached some of the hardest sermons that have ever been preached against sin. He called people out for their sin. He told them to repent. He told them to walk away from their sin. And you and I need to take sin seriously. And you know one of the big things that'll make the road of our lives impassable for people who need Jesus. And our lives are supposed to become roads that they can walk down to get to Jesus. But if we have sin abounding in our lives, if they see a lack of credibility, if they see a lack of consistency in our lives, if we say we love Jesus but live like we don't, then we are not gonna be a road that people can get to Jesus on. And the sin that we allow to abound in our lives will keep us ourselves personally from being able to experience all that Jesus wants us to experience in our own lives. Listen to Isaiah 59 too. 
uh, we need to understand how powerful sin is. It says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, remember what we read about John the Baptist. It says he's gonna do all this road work and the glory of God's gonna be revealed to all, to all flesh. We're all gonna be able to see the glory of God. Well, that says here that sin, if it's allowed to abound, will keep you from seeing God's face. That's like you and I as Christians, if we don't deal with sin in our lives, then we are going to have a much harder path to experiencing God. And the people around us, unfortunately, are just not gonna be able to see Jesus in us if sin is allowed to abound. So today we must, like John the Baptist did, as we're building the roads of our own lives, as we're creating the highway for Jesus in our own lives, we must be willing to make the crooked places straight. We must be willing to take our sin seriously because a road that's crooked and uneven is simply impassable. And we are called to create roads so that we experience Jesus and for those around us too as well. Finally, when we take a look at the road work that John the Baptist did to prepare the way for Jesus and the road work that you and I are gonna have to do in our own lives so that we too can be highways for Jesus, so that we can experience him, so that those around us can experience him as well is he made the rough places smooth. I don't know about you guys, but I always have some rough places in my life. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got some rough places in my life and they keep popping up. And what you'll find again is the Holy Spirit is always doing a little road work on us. My wife and I have lived in several different cities as we've done ministry and we lived in Atlanta for about four years. And when we were in Atlanta, it seemed like there was always road work. Now we live in Baldwin County, one of the fastest growing counties in the country here in South Alabama. There's always road work because we're growing so fast, there needs to be new roads. And, and it, it sometimes it can become annoying. It's always messy, it feels, but I'll tell you this, when you see road work going on, you know what it always says? When we were in Atlanta and here in Baldwin County, it means there's growth. When you see new roads being built, something's growing. You don't build new roads if things are the same. It means that there's something happening. And what I want you to know is when there's road work going on in your life, when you can hear the machinery coming, the bulldozers and the dump trucks bringing the dirt, it means God's at work in your life and that's a good thing. Listen, when you become a Christian, Something happens right then that's forever changed. Positionally, you are never the same. Positionally, you've been made holy before God. But you and I understand that practically in our lives, there's still a lot of work to do, right? Positionally, Jesus has changed you and transformed you. Practically, there's work to be done. And that is what happens in our lives. That's the rough places being made smooth. And that's a process that'll go on until you die but it's a beautiful process. And, and one beautiful example of this is at the Last Supper, Jesus uh, was talking to his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. He washes all their feet, he comes to Peter and Peter does not want Jesus to wash his feet. And a bit of a conversation takes place in John 13, six through 10. Jesus came to Simon Peter and he said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said to him, what I am doing, you don't understand now. Afterwards, you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him then, Lord, not my feet only then, also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Now, what is going on in this conversation? What you need to understand is this. You and I, when we became a Christian, we became a highway for Jesus. He has positionally made you clean completely. 
Peter was a Christian. He had trusted Jesus as his Savior. So that night, Jesus wasn't saving him again. You and I don't have to come to God if we're Christians and have him save us over and over again. That's a one-time regeneration of who we are. We are saved forever in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us, the Bible says, from the love of God. No power above, below that has been or ever will be. That's really great news. But let me tell you what does happen. The practical side of our Christianity, and you and I know this is true, right? Even though I've been made a highway for Jesus, I know too well that in my life, on my highway for Jesus, there's potholes, valleys and mountains, and there's some rough places. What this means is that night at the Last Supper, Peter was saved. He was a Christian. Jesus said, you're totally clean, but your feet are dirty. What that means is, Peter, practically there's still some rough places. You still have some sin in your life. You still have some issues and I'm gonna keep working on you, and I'm gonna wash your feet. See, washing your feet is a daily thing, right? That's something that he needs to do in your life and mine. And so what we do as Christians, as we continue to say, we want our lives to be a highway for people to see Jesus. We want our lives to be a highway for Jesus to work in our own lives. We wanna experience Jesus. John the Baptist is this great example that he will continue to make the rough places smooth, like a plane, like something that you can glide across. And, and that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your life. That is what John the Baptist came to do. At the end of the day, our lives are supposed to be highways that people can get to Jesus on. And let me ask you this big question today. Can people around you, if they start walking on the path of your life, will it lead them to Jesus? Now, I know there's potholes. I know there's some mountains that need to be torn down and some valleys that need to be lifted up. And if you're like me, there's some rough places that still need some smoothing out. But my question is though, can people get to Jesus if they follow your path? Or will they get to materialism? Or will they get to a prideful life, a selfish life? Or will they get to some other destination? Or are you and I every day more and more becoming roads that lead to Jesus? That's what John the Baptist did. He with his life, and his message built a road for Jesus to come. Are you and I doing that with our own lives? Can people find Jesus? We're told in the Bible that we should. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. Uh, people do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, here we go. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, you and I are not just called to have a highway that leads us to Jesus. We're supposed to create a trail for everyone around us. Parents for their kids, spouses for their spouse, us and our communities. If people start walking down the road of your life and mine, will it lead them to Jesus? Today, John the Baptist teaches us how to build a road, a highway for Jesus. And I hope that you will join me in building these roads so that the world around us can get to Jesus.